0: Welcome to the Motorsports in Focus podcast. My name is David Santiago, and this is... Joe McKenney. It's going to be a very exciting year in motorsports. We've got the 100th running of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. We've got the GTP class in IMSA, and as well, those cars are going to be racing in the FIA WEC Championship. So this podcast is basically going to be covering those races. It's just going to be two friends talking about the races events in motorsports news in motorsports in a casual way so should be a lot of fun and hopefully you enjoy all right so the first thing we're going to talk about today is going to be the formula one bahrain grand prix uh joe what were your thoughts on the race alonzo yep pretty much okay are we (laughs) because i I don't it's like dude it
1: Take a breath. Let's digest this for a moment. Seriously, I've been a Formula One fan for many years. I've enjoyed Formula One. We've watched many good drivers come through. What Alonso did at Bahrain this year is the only thing that's come close to reminding reminding me to what he and then also Daniel Ricciardo coincidentally did at, or maybe it was what he did to Daniel Ricciardo at Hungary a couple of years ago, where he just dragged that dead Ferrari horse (laughs) across the finish line to, what, a second or third place podium with ricardo just chasing the ever-loving hell out of him
0: mm-hmm.
1: my my point is alonzo dr- out drove the vehicle yeah and proved to everybody that he's still the best driver in the world
0: yeah i think we've said that for a long time we have yeah, we have in many conversations but i, I completely agree i think alonzo showed up a lot of the younger guys and proved why he has uh, the reputation that he does because he was able to race in a way that he didn't push anybody off there weren't any incidents that we had to go back and uh, analyze and determine, oh, was that a good call? Should he get a penalty or anything like that? He just made nice, clean passes, and it was good, hard racing. Yes. Which is something that I just haven't seen in Formula One for a long time. It's He gave an immense amount of space, mm-hmm. but also made it absolutely
1: impossible to make him go away for whoever was driving with him, whether that is by passing them. Or by allowing him to go through and then trying to make an over-under or something. like He just did not give his competitor an option. Yep. You were going to be passed, whether it's this corner, the next corner, or the corner after that. It did not matter. He was putting himself in position regularly to make the pass that he needed to make in order to move himself up the, uh, up the, the, the driver order. He did a fantastic job. It it was really it was truly incredible. It was craftsmanship. I think is the biggest thing that racecraft. Yeah, he like at the end of the day, there was no one else on the circuit doing what he did, and there hasn't been in years. I like Max Verstappen. I think he's a great driver. I don't like Lewis Hamilton. I still think he's a great driver. Yep. Neither of them are capable of what Fernando Alonso did in the car that he was in, and this and and, and don't get me wrong, this Aston Martin may be better this year. I think it's clearly better but for Alonzo to be able to do what he did in the car that he's in and compete with the people that he was competing with in the cars that they're in didn't make sense
0: yeah I'm glad he's finally in a car that he can actually put on the podium he's changed teams so many times chasing the championship and trying to put himself in in position to actually battle for race wins and he's always seemed to make the wrong decision at exactly the wrong time there's yeah. never been an unluckier driver
1: lest you forget fans of this podcast or future fans of yeah this podcast <laughs> if you will um Fernando Alonso is eight points away
0: total from being a five-time world champion he yeah. has
1: two world championships
0: to his name yep yeah he's always in the running he's always been a popular driver and I I still agree with you that I think he's the best driver on the grid overall but, like I said, I just think it's great to see him in a car where he can actually battle. And do you think the Aston Martin's going to have enough pace to actually stick it to Red Bull, though? Or do you think... Uh, no, I, d- I don't. As much as I would like to admit that I think that the at the end of
1: the day, the, the Aston Martin can compete, it can't. We I, I, I think we what we saw... Granted, we're, we may be getting the, the horse out of the cart in, in true Porsche fashion here. Um, or getting the cart ahead of the horse, rather, yep. in true horse fashion. I even had the the whole. Th- <laughs> it's I just all had backwards. The ho- yeah, <laughs> we're all over the place. This one, anyway. The um, I, I may be getting ahead of myself in this, but I'm not entirely sure that anybody's going to be able to compete with Max and Red Bull this year. Hmm. Um, it, it not only was that car better down the straights, it was better in the corners. It was better out of the corners. It was better into the corners. It every every single facet that Red Bull needed to be better than their competitor at. They were better than their competitor at. So I'm not entirely sure there's anybody to compete for Red Bull. But I do think that there's an opportunity for Aston Martin to be competing with Ferrari, with Mercedes. If McLaren, if this is just an anomaly for McLaren, I can't. I find it real hard to believe that McLaren is a outside of the top 10 manufacturer right now. Yeah,
0: that was really disappointing. Although Zach Brown did sort of admit that they had essentially, they did miss the mark with the car. Uh, and he did say they have a lot of work to do and... You know it wasn't quite right but that was surprising to see him so far down the order it was and and so I, I i think that there's
1: a a very good shot that this car is competing for podiums regularly which means that fernando alonso is on the podium more often than he's not yeah because i think he's going to always
0: outperform the vehicle he's, or at least get the most out of it
1: yeah at all he, times he, he's done nothing but prove that to us year in and year out regardless of what vehicle he ends up in he is a fantastic driver makes all the right decisions he's very smart the biggest thing for me that i that i heard over the radio from from Alonso, not just the elation that he had every time he passed somebody but at the end of the race i don't know if he caught it he had said this is an absolute dream car to drive right like this yeah, the, oh, yeah. what a great car to drive when you hear that if i'm verstappen or hamilton or leclerc or signs i'm going shit <laughs> like, there's no other way around it. Like, if if the best driver, theoretically, the best driver in the world, and I I would imagine that most of those guys at the very least agree that he maybe he's not the best, but he'll be right there with Hamilton and Verstappen, whatever. Like, he's top three mm-hmm. theoretically, right? You you pick your pick who you think is the best. I think he's the best. He's proven to me that he's the best. If all of a sudden that guy's going, I really like my car,
0: that's kind of oh crap moment. Yeah. For yeah. everybody that's not him. Yeah, I I think that's true, but Max definitely controlled the entire race. Oh, of course. In, in this- a way that we've seen Mercedes do in the past. And so, as much as I want him to be challenging for the championship this year, I think he'll be in the running for sure with enough podiums, and you know, who knows what happens with the rest of the races, but Red Bull definitely does seem dominant still. Take everything I just said and just put... Max is still winning the
1: Constructors yeah. and the, the Drivers' Championship this yeah. year. Yeah, Like, I agree with what you're saying, 100%. The drivers that are fighting for second, third, fourth, etc., they're going oh crap. Max isn't going over oh yeah, crap. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, Ferrari had uh, Leclerc drop out of the race, and he was actually doing pretty good. Do you also get the feeling that Alonso would have still found a way on the podium? Yeah, absolutely. If, even if Leclerc was in the race. Yeah, I was excited to see that battle though.
1: Yeah, I just I had the feeling the whole time I was like this is this just Alonso's going to make this work. Unless there's some sort of mechanical issue which um uh, he's he's not shy from <laughs> receiving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see Indy it, the Indy 500 what 2019, 2018, whatever when, that was yeah, when, when he, he was ran, leading yeah. and then yeah, just, yep. So but I, I, to kind of broaden the whole thing out, I the biggest thing, I, I think Formula One is headed the right direction. Um, you and I have talked a little bit before. I'm not keen on the idea that the chassis themselves are relatively similar, that the cars themselves are relatively similar. It does kind of take away from the unique development that Formula One regularly puts together. But I think the racing is the best that Formula One has been able to provide in a very long time. I think that, one more year under this belt of cars that can actually not suffer from major aero wash cars that can compete with each other in close proximity is something of significance and the more if if for nothing else the one of the biggest things that we've seen in formula 1 over the years the more time the manufacturers have to actually develop the vehicle the closer the vehicles get yes so when we make these hasty changes in formula 1 we we meaning just formula 1 in general But when any sort of hasty changes are made in Formula One to go, oh, we need to create more competitive balance. In reality, what creates the most competitive balance is allowing these manufacturers ample amounts of time to find what works best. And I think that's going to be the thing. Granted, the issue we've always battled with Formula One is that they start very far apart and then they start to compress. They've actually started mildly compressed this time. If they compress further, we could end up with some extremely good racing. My concern is just technological development after that.
0: Yeah, I I think that's definitely true. I think any time the regulations have stayed the same for a long enough period, everyone starts to get on the same level of performance. And it's not until we have these rules changes that you see someone be dominant. And that's exactly what happened with Mercedes. The whole dominant Mercedes era was just a big regulation change. And Mercedes came out on top, and they stayed on top. Well,
1: how does that differ from Red Bull prior to them?
0: Exactly. But, you know, before that, like when Sebastian won his first championship, you know, it was a lot tighter with those V8 cars mm-hmm. before they started changing a bunch of stuff. And, you know, it, uh, the regulations change allows for somebody to make a big performance jump in a short amount of time and it sort of scrambles the grid. But, yeah, I, I'm still no fan of these new cars with uh, I like the idea of getting rid of some of the air wash, but I think they're a little bit um, gimmicky. But I think I'm a little bit sensitive to that because I want it to be like as pure as possible and just like maximum performance and screw everything else. So you lean more to the unlimited budget, let them
1: have their yeah.
0: their game, let them go nuts. So I, and I see, I think that way because essentially space race. Yeah, it, but the reason is that there are plenty of other series that have balance of performance. You know, almost every series now has balance of performance. So it's like if that's your gig, go join one of those series. Go race an IMSA or the WEC. Keep Formula One just like crazy. Just let them do whatever they want. Unfortunately, it's going to lead to some people dominating sometimes. But I don't know. I that doesn't bother me as so, much. So I one hundred percent agree with you. Mm-hmm. I would love for Formula One to go full space race. Let's have like
1: Cold War of Formula One. Right? <laughs> like let's go. You spend as much goddamn money as you want. You spend as much money as you want. Let's see what happens. Right? Yeah. All for it. The problem is it's not going to happen. No, it's not, not a thing. There, so if we're not gonna go to that extent then I'm kind of more leaning towards not spec racing, don't get me wrong, but i'm I'm sliding the scale a little bit to the direction of let's let's at least make the racing really, really good, but still be the premier Motorsport. Yeah. so that's I, I'm not I, I would much rather sit back and go, I cannot believe that that car does that that that's a, at at what point that is that a car like yeah. that's kind of the stage that i really want to get at with formula one but it's never going to happen
0: i think it's definitely not going to happen now with all these new regulations and the push for it because i think a big part of it was all the uh, talk about you know all oh, the cars can't follow the cars can't pass and i think it was absolutely true but formula one cars have been using complicated aerodynamics for a long time now and I'm pretty sure we can go back into certain seasons and say, wow, that was some amazing racing. And so I think it matters, but I don't think it matters as much as people think. I think it's more like a feel-good thing, and for the same reason that I think balance of performance is more of a feel-good thing than it is actually balancing performance. Because I think some of the best racing at Le Mans, for example, that we've ever seen is when the cars had totally different configurations. They had totally, you know, we had diesels racing gasoline cars. We had V8s versus uh, you know, diesel turbo V6. We had a completely different format for each car and yet somehow they all had their strengths and weaknesses and they ran about the same time. What's the best class every year to watch it at Le Mans? The prototypes. Oh, well, you're going to say GT. <laughs> I think GTLM is the best yeah. class
1: every year to watch at Le Mans. Yeah, because now- because they Every single one of them, like there is some BOP, right? And and it's it it has gotten worse over the years, mm-hmm. over recently in particular. But to watch a 911 race against an R8, race against an AMG GT, race against a Corvette, race against right, like all they're so wildly different. It's not something you get in Formula One, but they're so wildly different. Let go ahead and let them go nuts, right? Like somebody figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. The problem with Formula One is that re- in reality, it's pretty much a spec series that we're saying, go develop amazing things, we think? Like, you know, it's like... It's, <laughs> well, you, you got it's...
0: a very tight box yes. to operate in. Yeah. And there's always been a tight box because somebody comes up with something really great and they're like, ban it, you know, instead of being well, like, wow, that's pretty cool. Example given, blown diffuser. Yeah. Like,
1: how amazing was that for a short yeah. period of time? And, and that's then. what
0: that's what NASCAR's done, and NASCAR's gotten to the point, or at least... Uh, uh, I don't. I'm not an expert in NASCAR, but I know that there's been a lot of technical, technological innovation in terms of the racing and the cars that race in NASCAR. And as soon as the the governing body finds out about it, they're just like banned. It's like, oh, look at this clever thing we did to win this race, banned. Yeah. That, that's how they operate there. And I think Formula One kind of that that happened. There's an attitude there of like, oh, they've got this huge advantage. What are we going to do about that to stop them from having this advantage? And you're like, what? Well, I thought. I thought Wasn't that the point? Isn't that, isn't that why we're here? You well, know, for someone to be better? 100%. And then
1: if you go off of the the kind of the differing attitudes of it is you, you really alluded to it with your analogy is that NASCAR immediately goes, ban. Yeah. No one thinks about it or no, anything. There's no debate. It's just done. As and soon then as they find it's, out. Yeah. It's like we didn't even know that was an advantage until it got banned. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Formula One, you're like, Jesus Christ, that car is... 35 seconds a lap ahead of that obviously that's an exaggeration but the you know you're just sitting back on that's not even close should we ban that And then we spend 13 races watching the car (laughs) do the same damn thing you're like has it been banned yet because we would really like for it to be banned (laughs) so it's it's different tactics for sure i i I agree with you i want formula one to go down the direction of screw everything let's go nuts but But see, It's still never going to happen.
0: They also have this weird dynamic of, and we've heard it plenty of times, where teams will say, you know what, we've actually given up on this current car, and we're actually just developing next year's car. And I think you wouldn't see that as much if the regulations, I'm speaking generally here, I'm not talking about specifics, but I think a big part of that is teams look at it and go, we're confined to such a box that it's not a matter of coming up with a good idea that can close the performance gap. It's a matter of time and money. And if you're already that far behind, then there's literally no way you can catch up because you can't get a big performance game because all you can do is refine what's already out there, but they already have it and they're already way ahead of you. So like you literally can't catch up.
1: Right. So and 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 I I agree to some extent and, and I think I see where you're going is like all right, if you're going to if you're going to be confined to that box, then you're going to ultimately tell people like all right, well we'll we'll move on to the next season because we don't fit in this box, right? Yeah. But the problem is as soon as somebody finds out that Mercedes has come up with this amazing new device or Red Bulls come up with this awesome arrow, right? Everybody's just gonna go, well, screw it, they've won the season. Yeah. So it's a re it's an incredibly fine line. There is no like, don't take it from us that we have the solution to Formula One. Because there is no solution to Formula One. The no. closest that I have ever heard and that we've ever talked about is the give them 100 kilograms of fuel and run with it yes type of idea right we've talked about this before in in our private chats and everything that ultimately formula one you want dude you want to throw a a fan on the bottom of your car go for it It, does it work okay yeah then everybody throws a fan on their car and eventually everybody starts to to kind of piece their their vehicles together to now five six ten fifteen years down the road We get some really equal racing because there's only so much development that can go on now. The problem is we live in a culture that does not cater to patience. No. (laughs) We want immediate results of what we desire as a culture. So the problem is you sit back and you go, well, that wasn't a very good race. There wasn't good racing that happened. How can we fix that? It's like, guys, Jesus Christ, we're three races in. Will you chill for a second? Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, everybody's so quick to react. And really, I mean, if you think back, we, we sit back and right now we're saying, okay, these, these new cars, they could fall closer. This is a pretty good race, right? Like last year, there were some pretty good races. In reality, like the last 10 years of Formula One have been some of the best years of Formula One as far as close racing is concerned. Granted, yeah. they've they've seemingly always ended in a Mercedes victory or a Red Bull victory. And a big part of that is because guess who spends all the
0: goddamn money? Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of money that goes around for specific teams. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to win you races.
0: Yeah. It, well, they're also trying to introduce these cost caps as well, which I think is really interesting because— I am—sorry st- to interrupt— wholly against all forms of salary cap in any sports i completely agree i i just think it's silly because for one it just doesn't work you know if you say you can't have this much budget and then all of a sudden you're like hey how'd you get that and they're like oh that was a donation and you're like wait what and i'm sure I, i'm just i'm just throwing that out there I'm as also, an example there might be something in the regulations where they try to prevent as many of this as much of this stuff as possible but there are plenty of loopholes to get around that and The people that benefit are going to be the exact same people who benefit from not having the. If you can't afford to keep up, then you don't belong. I agree. That's the whole point of competition. And again, I think there's plenty of forms of motorsport that you can race without that pure competition. You know, which I think is great. I'm not wholly against fair, like total equal terms racing. I just don't want Formula One to be that way. But tell me how. Sorry. Yeah. But tell me how the the series becomes
1: significantly different. If all of a sudden, Red Bull, Ferrari, and McLaren, let's just go with those three for right now, right? All of a sudden, we drop Alpine, we drop Aston Martin, Mm -hmm. we drop Haas, right? How does it become different if those teams pick up a third car and spend unlimited budget?
0: It stays exactly the same. It's
1: exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And guess what we get? Immense technological development. Yeah. So... Why the hell are we sitting back going, no, Mercedes, you can't spend that much because it's not fair to Haas. It's like, (laughs) in all honesty, screw Haas. Like, what? why the hell do we care what they can or cannot achieve? I don't give a damn. As a fan of Formula One, we're talking IndyCar, different story. We're talking NASCAR, Mm -hmm. different story, right? Formula One, I don't care if Haas can compete.
0: I don't care if privateer teams are involved. I let think,
1: the let the big wigs go
0: at it. Let's have fun, right? Yeah, and also that only matters. You know, the weird thing about Formula One again too is like, so with that attitude, you know, people go, oh no, but we need you know Haas, we need these other teams there, and then you say to yourself, you're like, you know, they really, to be honest, have no shot at winning races. They never they're, have. They're basically just there. They're just trying to score points, and it's not that they shouldn't be allowed to do that, but it's like, you know. I don't think we should be against the idea that if if they can't perform at that level, then let's not tag them along, you know, just to tag them along. But now that we've gotten way off topic. As per usual. I mean, (laughs) if
1: if this isn't a perfect episode one to give you guys an idea as to how far off
0: topic David and I can get regularly. (laughs) Yeah, this is normal, but I'm going to drag it back. Because speaking of balance of performance, special host, you are just an unbelievable host. (laughs) Speaking of balance of performance and uh, that kind of thing, let's talk about uh, IMSA and uh, the WEC, and uh, because both of those series are now BOP classes, and this year we have the exciting GTP class, which is also going to be eligible for the WEC. uh, Although I have to say the FIA is very confusing the way they word things and the way they structure things because. The uh GTP cars are gonna race in the WC as LMDH cars, which is Lamont uh Lamont Daytona hybrid. Uh <laughs> but I think it's hybrid. I actually haven't seen I don't think uh seen the official designation from the FIA. I'm just assuming the H is hybrid. But That's
1: fine. I'm I am i will roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm correct but, you on this one.
0: But then they race as in the hypercar class, and the stickers on the car say hypercar and everything's says hypercar it's very weird but um anyway that's just a tangent it just bothers me if they're hypercars just call them hypercars yeah but um we're gonna have those cars racing in the wec why do we have to why do we have to change the fact that they're
1: prototypes every year like it's i don't know i think hypercar
0: was a buzzword because we had you know cool manufactured cars (laughs) that were labeled hypercars and like it's like oh all the young people are looking at hypercars they're like Let's name it the hypercar class, and you got to build a road car. And then we see like the Toyota pop out, and we're like, "That's literally just their Le Mans prototype." Yeah,
1: but why? Why can we not just sit back and go? Just yeah, fuck. It's been the prototype forever. Like, like sleep prototype. prototypes.
0: Like, I, I agree. I, it doesn't make any sense to me, especially because they're still prototypes. We all thought we were going to get like a GT one kind of class. You know, back when we had like the CLK GTRs so, and the so, long-tail F ones and stuff, but that didn't pan out.
1: Let me fill you in a little bit on my uh, my off season spectator. Um, world i guess did not pay attention at all to wec since yeah or or i mean toyota was racing themselves did not like last probably year and a half have not paid attention all of a sudden i look at daytona and there's like yeah we got porsche we got chevy we got i'm like where the hell did all these manufacturers (laughs) come (laughs) from man and then we only have one race at sebring this year for uh what do you mean are they doing the 1,000K? Yeah,
0: yeah. They're doing the Super series. They're thing. doing
1: both? Yeah. Because I thought they were racing together
0: now. You see, it's all very confusing. Okay. So enlighten me. Because- <laughs> so one of the Cadillacs... Uh, so anyway, we're getting into the... So we've got the WEC prologue just happened. Um, so for for be- very beginner listeners, WEC is... The World Endurance Championship, which is the FIA's version of... Uh, essentially, It's think of like the... I was going to say, like, the famous old races, like Spa and stuff, but it's actually not quite that. Essentially, they do, like, six-hour races at Spa and uh, Monza and stuff like that, but Prime- they also Primarily
1: have, a European championship.
0: Yeah, European championship. They race at Le Mans. It's the European Endurance Championship, basically. And then over here, we have IMSA, which has Daytona and Sebring and Petit Le Mans, basically, as the endurance races. And I guess it depends how you classify an endurance race, but... And they used to race together a long time ago. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, well, it's I'm, interesting. I was I'm looking. Only, up... I'm only
1: providing this background because I think it's important to the context it, of what we're is. about to dive into.
0: It's interesting because I was looking up uh, the origin of the original GTP class, which was obviously like the famous uh, 962s and stuff. And that class was originally, but sp- there was a small prototype that raced in IMSA back when the uh, Porsche 935 was dominating because at the time in IMSA that was the top class was this GTX class which was like 935s and stuff you know big wide body big tires and uh, they were just dominating and there was a little prototype that came to race at Daytona and people really liked it and they were like hey I think there's something here we need to create some sort of prototype class and they were in talking to uh, you know the FIA at the time and they actually had ideas that they were going to create this class of prototype racing cars, and then politics got in the way. It's actually a really confusing, complex story, but basically that's how we got Group C for the FIA, which had a different set of regulations, and then we got GTP in the States, but the cars actually did not uh, transfer. They could not race in the series, and that's how we got the 962, because Porsche had the 956 that was racing in the FIA series, and they had to create a different car for IMSA because of the rules were slightly different. Mm. But it's interesting because originally they were meant to race together. And so now the way we have it set up with uh, the GTP cars racing in the FIA is what GTP was originally supposed to do back in the, the 70, late 70s and 80s. So it's we've come full circle. So
1: we're only 50 years late.
0: Yeah, exactly. At. We finally got around to actually doing it. Fifty years later. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and by we, them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's really interesting. I'm really excited because I think we are going <clears> to <throat> see another golden era of prototype racing, and I'm but I'm really conflicted about it because I just had this whole conversation right about oh I don't like spec stuff and uh, racing should be pure and these cars are basically LMP2 cars that are modified. And it's a BOP series. But I actually think it's really beneficial for the motorsports world in general, this GTP and uh, collaboration with well, the FIA.
1: And And I think the biggest thing for it more than anything else is the manufacturer entanglement in the whole thing. because ultimately, like, dude, I'm I like endurance racing. I really enjoy endurance racing. I'll watch a couple of hours here or there if my team's not involved. But if all of a sudden all this, I I see Porsche, hook me in right. I'm yeah, if you're ready, wondering, right, Joe like, is a Porsche guy. Yeah. So it doesn't take much. All of a sudden, for me to to click, and and now I'm seeing Porsche prototypes,
0: dude. I'm committed for 18 hours. Yeah, but only I think, because
1: I got to sleep the other six. <laughs> but like, you it, know, it definitely
0: it, had that effect though. And I think it can't be understated the draw that Porsche has. And but I it's definitely not just Porsche. It. That's what I was getting at. It's like
1: there's going to be Cadillac fans there's going to be Chevrolet fans there's going to be Audi fans Ferrari Ferrari is another big example yeah like these these teams when WEC was at its best as far as I'm concerned outside of like the legendary Group C type of stuff right so groups or uh, WEC was at its best when we had those couple of years where Audi Porsche and Toyota were regularly battling for the prototype title Mm -hmm. that was incredible racing Agree. I mean, we got to the point where what Toyota failed on the final lap, and Porsche yeah. was able to I, to take I a still victory.
0: Feel heartbreak about that. Now. I still feel elation <laughs> about that now. Like, heartbreak,
1: heart, heartbroken elation, <laughs> if if you will. But no, I mean, it's like when when you get the manufacturers involved, when you set, and and that's the thing is like these these entities, WEC, IMSA, Formula One, whatever you you name it, right when you get the manufacturers involved that's when you succeed that's when you draw people in when you have mercedes battling porsche battling bmw battling chevrolet battling cadillac battling whatever you like you can start to just throw names at it but these are all iconic names in racing history these are these are teams that people have watched for years people have built an allegiance to them it's not an accident that some of these teams in football and hockey, et cetera, that they're hundreds of years old or, or a hundred years old, I guess none of them are hundreds, but a hundred years old, right? The fans are immensely committed to that. It's, it's human nature to commit to a single team and to, and to make it through them, make it through with them thick or thin. And if, if all of a sudden you take that away and you go, yeah, you're rooting for this sponsor. It's like, I mean, Red Bull is a team, but, yeah. But it's not Porsche, right? And it's different like,
0: too, because like in Formula One, you can root for a driver. You know, I th- 100%. I see Formula One and IndyCar is more of a driver but sport. WECs, WEC or any endurance racing for
1: that matter, like it, it, what you're alluding to, is a team sport. Yeah, you don't have one driver. Yeah, you can't say, look, I I really like Jan Magnussen, I'm gonna follow Chevrolet. It's like you're gonna follow Chevrolet <laughs> for that guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> no no offense to Jan Magnussen, but
0: like, come on, you, like, yeah,
1: you're picking the team.
0: Yeah, no, the manufacturers are a big deal. This year, because of the collaboration, so like in IMSA, we have BMW, Cadillac, Porsche, and Acura, which I wish it was Honda, but it's not. But So you got four teams there, and the Lamborghini's li- coming in in 2024, which is going to be cool. That's cool. So quick quick tangent, really quick. Yeah.
1: Do you feel like Acura has developed enough of a name for themselves now in endurance racing that you're okay with the idea of Acura being its own entity? Because I, I feel as though they've almost separated themselves from Honda and I'm kind of okay with the fact that yeah,
0: no, no, I I'm okay with Acura. Like let's roll with it. Personally, I will never be okay with Acura because I hate the idea of needing to rebrand instead of just being your original brand. And it's weird, it's really weird because in IndyCar, it's Honda. Right. So like what it just doesn't make any sense. I wish it was Honda. Well listen, Infinity had a Formula One car, David. It's- <laughs> sure
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you remember that with yeah. Seb they had it they had an the infinity had a formula 1 car
0: yeah that crossover really worked i think we got an suv out of that the sebastian vettel no. fx Mm-mm.
1: 45 or no, 35 no no premier sports car
0: yeah yeah that's what it was for sure <laughs> but uh no it's really great to see uh the stuff racing in uh, imsa but in the wc it's really crazy because we're going to have um seven manufacturers i believe we're going to have toyota Cadillac, Porsche, Ferrari, Vanwall, Glickenhaus, and Peugeot. So, I'm so Peugeot's back involved. Yes. So I miss this. Oh, you, have you seen their car? No. It's wild looking. It doesn't have a uh, traditional rear wing. It just.
1: Well, of course it doesn't. It's Peugeot. They don't <laughs> said, do anything they're, traditional. They're French. Yeah. You
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> What's the saying? Nobody copies the. Uh, nobody copies the French, and the French copy no one. That's the that's the same. It's one hundred percent accurate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's gonna I've, be I've great. Come,
1: I've come to really appreciate French culture recently. I do too. Because uh, b- before, you know, being American, we we right, made fun of them a lot, a lot. Yeah, like white flags, right? You, you retreat. You're just yeah, the, the typical cliche French strokes. Yeah, but like the more I've learned about the French, they just I have never experienced a culture that goes. Screw everyone! Yeah,
0: like, they're, they're so. They're they, fiercely independent.
1: They're very American in yeah. that sense. Like I don't know if that's what we got that from, right? Like, because there was enough influence on from yeah, the for sure. Founding, the French, right? the French helped us out yeah, many so, times. So is it like is that where we got this from? But I don't know. It like I, I have I have become a fan of the French recently. <laughs> in in the like I don't. I don't root for France, but yeah. in their immense independence and immense, like... They love freedom, too. I, I can just... I guess the best way for me to phrase this is I can totally picture whatever engineer came up with the most ridiculous thing that you could pop on a French car. He's just casually sitting there smoking a cigarette, <laughs> takes a drag, right? And goes, it'll work. <laughs> and that's enough confirmation you've ever needed, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's nothing else. There's nothing else to add on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they have been struggling this year, though. And they, they did not do too well in the prologue, which was uh, this past weekend. Um, so
1: they'll smoke a second
0: cigarette and say, <laughs> yeah. it'll work next time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. They, they've had some reliability issues last season when they came in late. And they say they've ironed some of those out. But uh, it does seem like they're struggling with pace a little bit. Although not as much as Glickenhaus. Glickenhaus was, um, unfortunately... Uh, over two seconds off the pace in every session per lap. Yes. Well, as for their fastest lap relative to the fastest lap right. in that session. Yeah. Which I was really surprised to see. And the weird thing about the FIA right now is that the hypercar class is actually not that far away from the LMP twos. So some of these slower hypercars were actually intermingled uh, with the LMP two cars. And the L- the fastest LMP two car in a given session to the fastest time was about two seconds, which is... So Glickenhaus is running at LMP2 pace, is what you're saying. Yes, yes. Which is really interesting because coming back around full circle to this BOP talk that we had, the uh, WEC is a BOP series. To what extent, I'm not really familiar with because I find really BOP kind of complicated. And it's like, so are they going to say, wow, Glickenhaus, you're really off the pace. Here's two seconds of performance or are they going to say, well, you know, (laughs) like everybody else seems fine, you know, like the LMDH cars were on pace. The Ferrari was on pace. You know, they weren't as fast as the Toyotas Uh, who topped the sessions. Do you have any faith in the, in the FIA and WEC to actually BOP this properly? Well, I think, see, the problem is BOP is really problematic because what you do is you put the performance of the cars in the governing body's hands which is fine if the goal is to put everybody on a level playing field and say the best team wins. Not necessarily the best, fastest car, but the best team who has, you know, a reliable car, etc., wins. Because everybody's in the ballpark in terms of performance. You know, everybody's going to have strengths and weaknesses. But when you're that far off, it's like, man, what are they going to do? Yeah, well, I, I think you
1: get that. And then the other the other issue I've always had with BOP personally is that at the end of the day... You, You're going to BOP each individual race, theoretically. Yeah. Right? So, okay, we go to Spa, we BOP there. Okay, we go to Sebring, and we BOP there, right? You get BOP'd at every various different race. The problem is you BOP an individual car at an individual race, at an individual segment of time right so weather conditions track conditions heat etc right so if all of a sudden you BOP the hell out of this car and you go all right we're bringing these guys up to pace so that way they can compete at 85 degrees clear sunny skies roll with it that's what we're good with and then it rains and they just walk the field and you're like (laughs) how the hell did that help anybody well that's my issue with BOP is that you're retroactively Eliminating any advantages that any of the other manufacturers have been able to provide to their own cars under the regulations that you previously provided to them. Yes, that's why I don't like BOP is because you you sit back and you go, guys, here's the rules. Make the best car you can.
0: It it you're lit, you're curving, you're grading on a curve. Yeah, but but the paradox is that the BOP allows manufacturers that would not otherwise be able to compete to compete. And that that it's like this chicken and the egg argument. It's like, so, well, you need the BOP to bring the manufacturers, but so tell me how that's valuable in prototype racing. Manufacturers or no, BOP,
1: BOP. Uh, tell me how that that actually applies. So I am fine. I don't like it, mm-hmm. but I am fine with BOP when it comes to GTLM. Okay, those cars aren't prototypes. Yeah. The definition of prototype is: we're coming up with very unique new technology that's never been put out to, to to testing. We're going to make sure that this car can run better than any other car on the track because of this unique thing that we put out. Also, we need balance of performance. Yeah, like, see, it, you're just defeating the whole purpose of that class.
0: I think I'm going to contradict myself somewhat and say that I think IMSA's GTP class is the way you do a some, somewhat spec BOP class because they've gone far enough into that realm that it's like, okay, fair enough. You, you may as well do it at that point. Mm-hmm. you know. Because the FIA, it's like, okay, you build the whole car, you do everything, and then we'll BOP it. And I'm sorry, but if you were an engineer, you'd be like, wait, hold on. <laughs> why, why am I trying to extract all this performance then? Like If you're just going to slow me down or speed somebody else up, like right. it doesn't make any sense. Whereas... The IMSA regulations well, for GTP you
1: essentially encourage cheating, don't you?
0: Like sandbagging you mean or not even sandbagging just how can I how can I cut a corner without somebody paying attention to it? Yeah, or just have that, like performance in reserve almost. Yeah, theoretically. And then just turn yeah, I up mean the say, wick when sand, you need it. Yeah, sandbagging is also a thing, yeah. Yeah, but the interesting thing about the GTP class is uh and it was sort of like this with DPI is that you have the Speculum P2 chassis that are approved for the series. And then you have a spec, uh, hybrid system essentially. And then the manufacturers choose the engine and they also choose the looks of the car. And the interesting thing that I didn't know in the past is that in terms of the bodywork, excuse me, the, the IMSA cars actually have a downforce spec. So the cars produce a certain amount of downforce. And what that means is that they can shape the bodywork in a way that represents the manufacturer and not necessarily, all like, that's why all those cars aren't the exact same shape. Otherwise, like, when you look at the prototypes from, uh, you know, the WEC, they generally look the same. There's detail difference. Same thing in Formula One. There's differences, but they're generally all the same. Mm-hmm. Whereas the GTP cars are wildly different right. in terms of, like, their look. And it's because of that downforce spec. So it's like, okay, you know what? If you're going to bring manufacturers in, you're going to have a BOP sort of spec series, then that's the way to do it. Because as a fan watching motorsport you know the BOP is going to make those cars competitive to race against each other theoretically and you get to see interesting cars with interesting engines that look different and I'm like okay you know what if it actually works and that's what it is I'm okay with that and I think it's good for motorsport in general but if you're gonna have like like I said the FIA class where it's like okay you build the car and everything but then we're gonna BOP it that's just weird right I, and I just ultimately, I just have an inherent issue with the idea of
1: prototype slash BOP. Those two, th- those two phrases, yeah. those like, two it's words, like an oxymoron. Yeah, it does. It yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Like that's not a thing. It's like, I, all right, so you built this unique, amazing thing. Also, it's not allowed. Yeah, pretty much. Do anything you want, but just not that. It like that's that's that should be the catchphrase for BOP'd prototype vehicles. Anything you want, just not that. Yeah, because <laughs> like really that's that's what it comes down to and that's that's where i'm okay with bop so long as it only focuses on the classes that are relatively spec'd right mm-hmm. like bop is totally fine for spec miata yeah if absolutely. you're just if you're gonna go
0: full i on mean spec they're already series, s- full on spec but yeah th-
1: yeah but your your bop is going to be balanced waiting essentially like you're you're reducing the significance of bop but if all of a sudden you're changing like arrow and and all that type of shit to try and make it work, where look, we don't like the way this direction's headed. This this team just seems too dominant. They won last race by 13 seconds. Like, well, yeah, they had a great car for that track. We leave them alone, like <laughs> yeah. Jesus, man. Yeah. Like- what do you want
0: yeah but it also runs in the problem because what's happened now is i've seen comments because toyota led three out of the four sessions in testing and i i know it's just testing but to be honest when you look at formula one testing it's it was pretty uh indicative of the results of the race it's become more indicative it wasn't previously no i like if you look at testing and who is fastest in testing it pretty much correlates with the performance we saw yeah. in bahrain so i look at testing for the wc toyota leading three out of four sessions by a decent margin actually mm-hmm. like a healthy margin and i already saw comments of people like oh you know wc's bop it favors toyota you know the conspiracy is that oh well toyota stuck with the series for so long and sort of kept it going and so they're going to favor them in the vop and it's like as soon as you start controlling the performance of the cars that's that's the can of worms you open again. It's prototype. Yeah, leave it alone. Yeah, I I tend to agree, but it, it's weird I, that they I, put themselves in that situation. And like I said, now now it's like okay, well you got you're gonna have people that whatever car wins, you're gonna say, "Wow, well, oh, they had the best BOP." Yeah, and, <laughs> and and and
1: as arrogant as I may come off, I am no motorsport savant by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. It's not a difficult thing to sit back and go, look, guys, it's really easy to just say. Holy shit! They built the best car. Yeah, it's the prototype class. It's the it's in the damn name. It's in the name. Yeah, it's in the name. Yeah, you got to build it. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's a prototype, and we won. Yeah, like I I just if you want if the whole point is to get a whole bunch of manufacturers involved and try and create some really unique balance of performance between manufacturers, fine. You have your gt whatever like name your class right Ever oh, hypercar, you come up with some name but when you use the name prototype <laughs> bop is not allowed yeah as far as i'm concerned i mean maybe I, I, that on... would be in my world too if i had control over because things. ultimately what is formula one right the prototypes they're prototypes yeah so what did we just spend the first 20 minutes of the episode talking about that we want prototypes that we want formula one cars to be able to do anything they damn well please And if you can't keep up,
0: that's your own damn fault. Yeah, 100%. And it's ironic, too, because uh, at Daytona, the Porsches, the way IMSA does new car BOP, uh, they came in, and uh, I think it was the Porsches as well as uh, some of the other cars, they came in with such a performance deficit that they literally had no chance. They were something like 15 miles an hour slower on the straightaway than the fastest cars. The Porsches were? Yeah, at Daytona. And they had no chance. They had no chance to win, and that's when you go, okay, so this is a BOP series, and yet the BOP has created a situation in which the one of the major manufacturers, right, the whole point is to keep the manufacturers on board, you've created a situation where they have no chance of winning the race. You know, it's just like, how, how could that possibly be, you, you, you sort of uh, shot yourself in the foot there, you know? Well, I have
1: an inherent issue with just not allowing Porsche to win the race to begin with, so... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah.
0: But uh but anyway, so obviously Toyota dominated the the Prologue testing and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens come qualifying uh in the race this week. That's what I was going
1: to say. So so where's our first race of the season for those that don't follow WEC, IMSA, etc.
0: closely? What yep. what are we looking forward to? So we've got Sebring coming up this week. Uh it's for the FIA, it's the 1000 Miles of Sebring uh or 8 hours whichever comes first Is it 1000
1: miles or 1000k? 1000 thousand miles. Okay. Yeah,
0: they stuck with that. I don't it's I'm kind of surprised. I kind of wanted to be kilometers because it's the WEC and that right. was historically what, you know, like the 1000 kilometers of Spa and stuff. Yeah. But uh so that's what's coming up and then obviously it's the Super Sebring weekend so we have the 12 hours of Sebring which is the IMSA race. They do one on Saturday and one on Sunday, correct? Isn't that No, it's Friday and Saturday.
1: Okay. But they do one one day and one the next. Yes. Day. Okay. Yes. So yeah. Did did they previously do Saturday Sunday? Uh, or Am I misremembering? No, see, it...
0: the 12 hours always been on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess for this race they were like, well, we're not going to do it on Sunday. You can sort of steal the thunder of the weekend and try to be the headliner, so they made it Friday. Okay. But um but it should be an exciting race. I'm curious to see what we uh what we get in terms of uh, LMDH cars versus hypercars. And I mean, if testing is anything to judge, I think we're going to see a pretty awesome race because we have that many manufacturers and Ferrari was mixed in there, you know, with the Cadillacs and the Porsches, like that's just going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for it. And, um, so what's the biggest thing you're going to be looking out for going into this race?
1: It's like, if you were to, let me put it this way. If you were to bring your new fan, let's say it's your distant cousin, right? It's yeah. never watched racing, but once get involved, yeah
0: what do you, what's he watching what are you telling him look you got to
1: pay attention to this
0: i'm going to say that toyota's obviously the favorite they have won multiple championships in a row multiple le mans 24 hours in a row so they have everything to lose it sounds crazy by the way cuz it wasn't long ago that we were talking oh, yeah, about they the had fact nothing. that there was one japanese manufacturer that ever <laughs> yeah. won le mans sorry exactly. go on no it's true but uh but it's all to play for now because they've got some proper competition and so they need to prove themselves and now you got Big names like Porsche and Ferrari, you know. So Porsche,
1: we, the winningest endurance racing yes. champion
0: of uh, of yes. motorsports. Yeah, and Ferrari, obviously a famous mark, no stranger to endurance racing. Probably the biggest legacy brand there is. Absolutely, in 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 the car world, in the motorsport world. And then, um, you know, then you have challengers like Cadillac which that's just cool to yeah, see uh, you know, a Cadillac racing against Ferrari and Porsche and everything, especially at Le Mans, because this year is going to be the 100th running of the race. So it's just going to be an epic season for the WEC, and Co- it all kicks off this weekend. So. Not to put you on the spot, a couple of drivers to look out for. Drivers, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I'm not that good with drivers. I focus more on the cars. So. Okay. I
1: can give you a couple. Pippo Durrani is always somebody to pay attention to. Okay. At the end of the day, he's going to always be involved. Nick Tandy is going to be somebody that's going to be involved. These aren't necessarily just strictly prototype drivers, but the type of guys that you want to pay attention to that are going to be on the track, regularly racing. Because here's the thing. Those of you that have not watched endurance racing before, it's really important. The prototypes aren't on the TV all the time or on whatever screen you're watching all the time. You're going to see different classes, et cetera. They're gonna focus on the prototypes, they're gonna focus on the premier class of racing, but ultimately there's gonna be other people you need to watch or other other classes you need to watch. That's when you can tune into the individuals. That's yep. when you can sit back and go, Goodness, that's a good driver. Like yeah. that that dude can wheel or that chick can wheel. Because we've yeah. seen like Christina Nielsen's a fantastic driver. Has yeah. really put some stuff together. So just just some people to pay attention to for, yeah. for the uh, new, I'm gonna
0: try to new get, fans. I'm going to try to get better with the drivers yeah. uh, this season. It's not easy, man. Like no, I
1: I'm, I remember when I first got involved in d- endurance racing, I'm like, I need to know all the drivers. I know all the drivers in Formula 1. Why don't I know all of the good drivers <laughs> in endurance? And then you're like, they all
0: changed from
1: last year. Like, yeah. god damn it, man. I, was, I knew them all. Like, yeah.
0: And there's like three to four for every car. So Yeah, exactly. You know, good yeah. luck. But uh, I think as long as you get the big ones and you sort of see where they're sticking... Uh, in terms of what teams they're staying with, and there's a lot like of that.
1: crossover too. Mm-hmm. A lot of
0: crossover from from
1: sports, or multiple sports. Like, I mean, Andre Lauderer, I believe, is still racing in DTM, and then he also races a lot of endurance
0: racing. You know, there there there's a whole lot of balance yeah. back and forth. Yeah, you'll see drivers come in just for the mall, as well as uh, mm-hmm. we're starting to see it now. We're, as well with Daytona, the Daytona Twenty Four, yes. yeah, big time, yeah, which yeah. is pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, definitely going to be an exciting race, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the prototypes, uh, you know, where they all fall in terms of the standings and where we're at for the season, and then uh, you know, GT is going to be uh, interesting. Uh, but to be honest, the way everything's moving toward GT Three, and uh, the FIA still has some of the GTE cars, which are slightly higher spec than GT Three. So, I think this year is going to be one of those seasons where, like, yeah, GT's happening, and there's some interesting things going on there. But I think uh, it won't be until we have the GT3 spec cars that things really get uh, solidified there. But and I say that also because now IMSA is all GT3 cars; the GTLM cars are gone. So, which I think is actually a step in the positive again, because I think it's good that you have cars that manufacturers can build for multiple series Mm -hmm. gt3 cars i mean even dtm i think is gt3 now well what was it that they had gt lm and gtd right Mm -hmm. for a while there which gtd originally was its own spec and then it became gt3 and and that was the
1: thing is like gt3 gtlm and gtd covering two series Mm -hmm. were relatively redundant it was essentially one had a whole lot more aero than the other that had more aero than the other, but they were all relatively same power, they were all always the same drivetrain, yeah. Essentially, like you still had a 911, you still had an R8, you still had a whatever, like it, it just it, there wasn't enough differentiation for them to be differentiated,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think it was a smart move to go to GT3 spec because now anybody who builds GT, GT3 car, which is anybody who's serious about racing can race in the series i mean
1: i ultimately what what do we really want cup spec or something some variation of that like you're you're just you want a cup car with slightly more modifications than an actual proper team versus your generic individual that can buy a hundred and well i don't even know what cup cars go for anymore when i used to pay attention regularly they were what 145 170 i'm sure they're
0: a lot more than that now yeah
1: but you i mean you you know what i'm talking about it's like that there was a period of time where you could buy a cup car for not that much and you paid a whole hell of a lot for tires and you go out there and run it right so if you can get in that same sort of situation but now the teams are actually developing all of the components they're making the fine tuning different different um uh, changes to each of the vehicles and that's the direction you're heading i think that's a great direction for gt cars i guess i mean what the hell do you want to call all of the yeah. encompassing things I mean, like gt cars I yeah, guess it's-
0: gt3 cars have gotten pretty complicated at this point to be honest uh, in terms of aerodynamics and stuff, but mm. I think it's the best we've got right now in terms of GT racing. It's the best class for GT racing, yeah. for sure. I, I, I think it'd be cool if we actually backed off the spec a little bit and made it so that cars weren't as reliant on aero and were a little bit more like cup cars, so we get to see them sliding around and stuff. Do you, would Would that be viable, though, with all the prototypes around them? No, and I also don't think it would be as viable cuz generally you see a lot of customer or um, gentlemen drivers in GT cars mm-hmm. as well, which I think is almost the point of that series. And il- even the well, how, LMP2 how cars How did you have extent. GT
1: Pro and GTM?
0: Yeah, exactly. So I I like GT3. I think it's good for the sport. Again, I think this year represents a really a high watermark in terms of endurance racing with the classes that we have, the manufacturer involvement, and just the quality of racing. I mean it can't we can't say too much yet cuz we haven't uh seen the first race for the FIA but I just think it's going to be a great year. I I agree. I I really
1: like the direction that the entire community WEC uh, and and IMSA are heading together. I feel like we're starting to get back towards that kind of blend that that cohesion, right? To to move forward as a unit rather than two separate entities because yeah. for a while there we were two separate entities that they were fine. Like, it was like, okay, we get endurance racing over here. We also get endurance racing over there. They're both entertaining, but ultimately, I want to see those drivers compete against those drivers in that car. Like, so as we still slowly start to kind of merge things back into the way they were, I think we're headed the right direction. I, I, I'm encouraged with where we're going for endurance racing. Yeah,
0: no, I, I think it's going to be great. And, you know, just so excited for Lamar this year going to be amazing oh 100 100 but uh, not
1: to diminish what we're getting this year yeah when are we not excited for Le Mans
0: like it's, oh yeah it, it's the best but, damn but, race of the but year but this every... year it's just like oh finally yeah. we've been waiting for this race 100 percent. plus it's yeah. the 100th running it's just like oh yeah so yeah, here's an awesome race. Also, it's 100. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> with seven manufacturers for in the prototype class, it's just like okay, this is this is gonna be good. If Porsche doesn't oh. win, I'm throwing a I'm throwing something. Yeah. I Also, I've got to talk about uh, the. Have you seen the Garage 56 car? No. So it's uh it's it got an invitation as I don't remember the uh, I wish I knew the exact uh, class that it's running in. It's essentially like a special invitation. Um, innovative class or something like that. But it's... How it's many
1: are there in this class?
0: One. It's just this NASCAR. Oh, okay. They're just it, running. Wait, it's a NASCAR? Yeah, it's a NASCAR. At Le Mans? Yes. Dude, it's going to be amazing <laughs> down the street. But it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. But also, uh, I was looking at it. So they had to put headlights on it, right? And they've yeah. got to set this thing up to run endurance racing yeah. and not just around the oval for a certain amount of time. and Which is all cool. But it was funny, I was watching the testing, I was like, Okay, oh, man, that's cool, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a second, it still doesn't have a window. And I was like, these guys know it rains at Lamar, right? <laughs> that could be a problem. You know what I mean? I guess drivers, you know, we used Maybe. to have the open cockpit cars and yeah. they used to get soaked. But like, I don't know. Does it have wipers? Because NASCARs don't have wipers. I believe they had to install some wipers, so hopefully they thought of it. They need to do some wet weather testing, I think. And I haven't seen them do that wet weather testing yet. And, uh, you know, they're smart guys. They have, like, an what, all-star lineup. What is this team, Team 56? Garage 56. Garage 56. They've got Jensen Button. Um... All right. <laughs> I was already
1: in before he said Button. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was
0: I was in. I was committed before you said yeah. Jensen Button. Now I, you say Jensen Button. Jensen Button. I want to say Andre Lotter and um, one other big name. And, uh, like I said, it's going to be a really. Is this only at Lamar or is this going to be a Sebring? No, it's only at Lamar. This is gonna be amazing. <laughs> yeah. but like, like I said, I was like, "Wait, you guys know Reigns at Lamar, right?" <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I really hope they get like you said. Uh, one other big name. I hope they go after somebody that's raced like full on American racing. I want to like, say it's an IndyCar car driver. Yeah, well, that's what I'm kind uh, of no. at. It's like it might, I it might be Jimmy Johnson. That's exactly where I was headed. Right? Yeah. Go down the NASCAR route. Yeah. Some stock car. Yeah. Right, because NASCAR is its own series, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, so so you go down the stock car route, right? Get somebody that is fully committed to the idea of rubbing his racing. <laughs> he's a closed body car, yeah. Racing against other closed body cars,
0: but in his own class. Yeah, he's in his own class. <laughs> but you think he doesn't? I mean, he's win still racing for overall. You yeah, w- you want to win them all, right? I mean, they're not going to win them all. No, of course
1: not. Yeah, but well, I say that now. There's you know no what? chance. You know what? They're not gonna win the mall. Prove me wrong. And if you prove me wrong, I will the next episode after Lamar on yeah. this podcast, I will go absolutely bonkers for <laughs> for that victory. Yeah. I sign me up. I love it. <laughs> because ultimately, what class should they be enrolled in? Oh, uh, they're they're just doing it to promote NASCAR. No, but there's one class they should be enrolled in. What? Prototype. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, technically. It's a prototype. Again, we keep going back to why the hell, like, what are we doing with this prototype class? You can't say prototype and then go, guys, everybody build the same thing. Yeah. It's not a prototype.
0: Not to (laughs) beat a dead horse that's been dead for a while. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you should check it out. It's pretty interesting. Okay. It's also really cool to see a NASCAR... G- Garage 56. Yeah, with headlights and stuff. Yeah, that's and, alarming. Like, running at, uh, you know, the infield at Daytona like, and Sebring. On, on a mild tangent, right? Like, one of the things that I... I'm not a big NASCAR
1: fan, and I'll watch some of the road races, but I'm not too keen on the rest of the stuff. Like, the 500 I'll tune into because it's iconic, just the same way I tune into the Indy 500. Like, I I, I want to watch iconic motorsports races. Yeah. Uh, but... This new thing they did at the Rose Bowl, where they're racing in, or no, is the LA Coliseum. So they're racing inside the Coliseum. Yeah. They can fit like seven cars. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the one where the guy sent it on the wall in the last lap, was it? I didn't watch this year's. I watched the previous years. It's it's a horrible race, but the the whole i the iconic nature of it, and just like guys, let's try this. When it comes to stock car racing, I'm all for the idea of let's try this. Yeah. <laughs> so when you go, yeah, we're going to send one of these to, to, to Le Mans and we're going to just unleash it. That thing better have like 1,400 horsepower <laughs> and no downforce. Yeah. Or actually max downforce and max drag Yeah. because
0: they, that's how they do it. They did have to put uh, some extra error on the car. And it's, it's one of the new-gen cars, do they have so a, it's got, like, center-lock wheels and stuff. Do they have a or, like, a ducktail? No, it's just a big, big, essentially, like, overgrown gurney flap spoiler. That's amazing. It's a NASCAR. It's a NASCAR. I, I, I love it so much already. <laughs> like,
1: <Yeah.
0: laughs> I don't know if it's the American in me or what, but, like, that's so endearing. Yeah. No, it's going to be really interesting, but uh, I, I'm just so curious to see how the thing is going to handle. Uh, you know what it reminds long. me
1: of? Is like all of when we were younger, and we used to play Forza, right? Yeah, and it was just one of those random days we would pick, like, let's race an S class, and it's, it's somebody. <laughs> all right, you have thirty minutes to build a
0: vehicle. <laughs> well, you, you remember the thing to do is actually take one of the race cars and then put drag slicks on it, so it was an absolute bullet in a straight line, yes. and then, and then awful useless in the corners. Yeah. Hey, I made a Willy's Jeep work. That's true. I mean, there are a lot of things back in uh, the Forza Motorsport 4 days that Why the hell are we worked. not
1: playing Forza 4 anymore?
0: <laughs> I thought about it the other day, to be honest. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> so, we got uh, one more topic. We've covered uh, the WC. Obviously, IMSA is this weekend. Um, well, actually, one more thing about IMSA. Did you see uh, the MSR team that uh, won Daytona got uh, penalized? No so i want to talk about this a little bit because it is important news and i'm i'm curious what your thoughts are on the penalty because they caught they got caught manipulating tire data so there's a minimum tire pressure just like most race series that's dictated by the tire manufacturer that say you cannot run below this pressure because it's what the manufacturer usually deems is like safe so there isn't like blowouts and stuff yeah and uh but there was performance to be had by running the lower pressure. So they ran the lower pressure, and then they manipulated the data that went to the officials, who are usually are monitoring that, I guess, in real time. And so essentially they spoofed the system. And I guess uh, Honda, actually, in reviewing, I guess, the results of the race and all the data and everything, discovered this, brought it to IMSA, and now they've been penalized, obviously. They've been fined they don't get the prize money from the race but they still retain the race win which i think is interesting i'm curious your thoughts on the situation because well let me i'll let you give your thoughts and reaction and then i'll talk about it for a little bit so i have a really hard time with
1: retroactive changing of victories i have a problem with cheating Mm -hmm. i don't like cheating just the same way that any other human on the planet does not like cheating, right? Yeah. Uh, With the exception of those that cheat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Kind of axiomatic at that point, right? So I'm not keen on the idea that somebody cheated to win. I'm also not keen on the idea of having to give back your victories or awarding the victories to the then second place team in that event.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The result that I have found that I am most okay with, and and I take this mildly personally, I've had um, the teams that I root for, I've, I've actually had one of my basketball teams that I regularly root for, lost to a very obviously proven cheater in the national championship. Mm-hmm. And that team had to rescind their national title.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's a lot of... Individuals that are fans of my team that have said, "Well, that means that we're national champions." No, mm-hmm. we lost in the national title game. Mm-hmm. We didn't win it. They also didn't win it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I come down on that type of stuff. So those those sort of rulings. Anytime you end up in a situation where somebody's cheating, you're it, almost. It, it, it happens. It happens a lot with in in college football, in particular, with the Heisman Trophy, right? Uh, We've seen it before where somebody, it's an individual accolade, so it has nothing to do with the team. This individual is the single best player in college football. Okay. There was an individual that a couple of years ago, the university, or at least some boosters involved with the university, bought his parents a home to make their lives more comfortable, and then he just so happened to win the Heisman. Mm Mm-hmm. He was still the best football player on the field every week. Mm-hmm. Was it made easier because he knew that his parents were comfortable? Maybe. But does that really affect his on-field performance? So in a situation like this, it's slightly different in the sense that they clearly cheated to to gain an advantage mm-hmm. from what we understand, right? Yeah. But... Can you sit back and go... They didn't give whoever came in second that year the Heisman. Mm -hmm. Are you going to give whoever came in second at Daytona the the award? No. So does it really matter that they give up the award? No. But does it matter that they don't gain any points towards the Constructors' Championship or whatever you deem is the, the championship for the year, right? they they rescind all their prize money? That like things that are actually a penalty to them. Go for it. it, it as almost, far as the award is concerned, as as crappy as it is, mm-hmm. it doesn't really make it's a still, difference. It's still kind like, of won the race it's, it's, itself. It's it's, it's not well. It's not even that they won the race themselves. It's numb. It's like, dude, if if I if I came in second in a tournament, right, and somebody goes. Like, I came in second to a cheater. and They go, well, like, I won. It's, like, okay, yeah, he won. He cheated, though, so you won. No. Yeah. No, I didn't. Like, you you need that sort of gratification. Like, will I take the victory in the sense that, like, would it be would it be beneficial to the team for me to take the money and the earnings and all that stuff? Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. But I, I don't know if it's a competitor in me, but I didn't win. Yeah. I didn't. Be, I
0: did on that weekend. I didn't beat who I was facing. I think that's an interesting perspective. It almost seems like you'd be better off with the idea that you can take the win away from them only if nobody else wins. Like that's, the, that's whoever where, finished second is still second. 100%. You just have no winner. That's that's a result that I come to. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. What do you think of the incident itself? I think it's it's interesting because it was clearly, uh, you know, they did this intentionally mm-hmm. like you, you, they made software to spoof the the readings and it's like okay you clearly did this intentionally that's like legit cheating and but at the same time you're like how much of a performance did they really gain from altering the tire I d-
1: pressure i don't care how much of a performance they gained from an alter from an alteration of tire pressure ultimately what i what i come down to is that it was a conscious decision to cheat
0: yeah which i, I agree it makes it that's the worst part about it right and it to me that's like automatic whatever the penalties are you cheated because you intentionally did it i
1: i think it's really simple and it's really harsh yeah it's it's a very similar penalty to those of you that have driven in the united states will have seen the the sign for littering right 250 dollar fine for littering seems excessive like i threw a cup out of the window of my car and i get fined for 250 dollars the idea is not that you threw a cup out of your window it's that you, you don't do the- it. It's that you could have theoretically thrown an entire trash bag of cups out of your window, right? Mm-hmm. So the way I I I look at that situation is that if that team is going to consciously make the decision to cheat, clearly and consciously make the, the the decision to cheat, I think you go over the top on them, and you go, you're done for the season. Sorry, yeah. out. I don't care what car you develop, you're disqualified for the remainder of the season. And that may seem incredibly harsh, but it's how you discourage cheating going forward. Yeah. Just the same way you discourage littering going forward. You sit back and you go, "Dude, if I throw that water bottle out the window and there's a cop behind me, there's a good chance I get a $250 ticket for a water bottle." Yeah.
0: Like you need the penalty needs to be so high that your mistake is not worth it. That that's why I was surprised with the penalties they did give because what were the penalties they gave? So they had some fines. I have a list on the website, uh, of exactly what penalties they were, but essentially like a fine, you know, a couple people or the engineer essentially got who they claimed did the cheating, uh, got his, uh, IMSA credentials revoked. And then the owner of the team, Michael Shank got, uh, was essentially suspended and some other stuff. But, uh, they kept the win. They didn't get the prize money. Did they get
1: the points for the Constructors' Championship? No. So they didn't okay. get the
0: points. But I still saw it, like you said. I was kind of like, hmm. You know, they straight up cheated. I'm kind of surprised they didn't, like, really make an example out of and, like, just go all out with the penalties and say, everybody see that? Because that's what's going to happen if you cheat, you know? And – Like I said earlier, how much advantage did they really gain with the tire pressures? I don't know, because I also haven't seen how much they spoofed the system. Like, was it a PSI off or something? And the reason I'm curious about that... Does it matter? It matters to my curiosity, because I'm curious if they went through all that... Like, we're talking about they literally made a little program to spoof the system. So did they go through all that trouble for half a PSI, or were they like really cheating that's what i'm curious about yeah like how how far did they go in was it was it in for a penny in for a pound and they were like way below the recommended pressure or was it just a little bit because if it was just a little bit you're like dude that was not a good move coincidentally to relate it back
1: to football and psi there was a huge issue years ago in the nfl with the actual there's a there is a specific psi that the football needs to be Mm -hmm. in order for for the teams to be able to use it. the idea is that the quarterback gains a significant advantage if the if the football is too deflated because mm-hmm. he can grab it very significantly like he he can get a good grasp on it and make a pass right yep. or if the pressure is too high you can change different things right yep. so there is a there's a, a, a spectrum in which the the psi needs to be in and there was a whole deflate gate thing that occurred mm-hmm. with um one of the teams and one of the players that the psi was too low and it was consistently too low and it kind of looked as though is you're you guys are gaming the system like it's like this is clearly you're making a decision Mm -hmm. if so the the reason i bring this up is that if if in the event that the team that you're you're speaking of is make has made the decision to where it you are clearly gaming the system that's where you drop the hammer on yeah if it's a half or quarter percent and it's inconsistent and it's something that's like it, it kind of goes back to what i was saying is like are you buying the home for the the family right like yeah, does yeah. that really affect on field performance no does the actual pressure of the football infect the on the on field performance yeah, yeah. okay yeah, so like, we're changing something right yeah and are you doing this intentionally so are these teams sitting back going Look, we're gaining 3 PS or we're reducing the tire pressure by 3 psi and gaining 3 quarters of a second, which is a significant huge. margin, right? Yeah. Like so if you're if you're going out of your way to make these major changes, totally different animal than Look guys, we were off on our psi. We messed up. Our algorithm came up with something different than your algorithm did. It was never intentional. Mm-hmm. It was a
0: mistake we made. Yeah. Then and I, and I should say that the the team actually did come out and basically say that it did happen. And interestingly, they say that the engineer... It did happen and it was an accident or it no, did happen? No, it did happen, like cheating. Okay. And they say, well, we fired the engineer responsible, which I think is also really interesting because you got to imagine, so this steering wheel even is going to tell you the tire pressure. Mm-hmm. So did this one... Are we meant to believe that this one guy... Just went in and was like, Oh, I'm gonna spoof these numbers. And somehow, the other engineers, the people inflating the tires, because there's a certain team member that goes, you know, checks the psi of each tire, and all you're telling you can't spoof all that stuff. So, there's never, yeah, way more like, people were in yeah, on this, as if the pressure gauge gives yeah, exactly you the yeah, did he wrong, spoof the pressure like, gauge? Like, like, literally, the guy that inflated the tires knew what psi they were. That's his job, yeah. So it, it's kind of bizarre that essentially this like, one guy goes it, down as the scapegoat. It, it's, it's not like Jeff all of a sudden is, is is sitting there. Sorry, I just beat the hell out of the mic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's not like Jeff all of a sudden is sitting there and you're like, oh, I got 35. No, you got 40. No, that says 30. Jeff, that says 40.
0: Oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> I, like, I see <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it is a weird situation and I, uh, i don't know it i think that's what bothers me more than anything it's like you know when you get it's caught cheating it? yeah it's intentional and even now it's like they haven't fully admitted what happened because essentially this guy just went down as a scapegoat and who knows there might be information that comes out later that explains everything that happened but as of right now that's what we know yeah well and, that, and that's i mean that's half the battle with all of this sort of public
1: drama that shouldn't be public yeah. ultimately is like this type of stuff should be entirely behind the scenes until the conclusion is actually made. And then you come up with a conclusion and you say, look, this is what we found. Here's what we're doing. And that's the end of the day. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's the right way to handle it. The problem is that's not, well, how I think that's what anymore. they
0: tried, but then, you know, I don't think really the community because essentially even, I think they were quoted as saying, you know, we fired the guy. Uh, we consider the matter uh, resolved. And you're like, Everybody else is like, "What? <laughs> no, it's not." Yeah, no, that it's <laughs> not, and
1: that's the thing is like, there's there's too many other. When you start talking about tire pressure, there's too many other variables.
0: Yeah, like if you're all of a sudden you're saying yeah, like, what else? What else are you lying about? Right,
1: like if you're talking about our ECU specialist decided to come <laughs> up with some <laughs> sort of technology in the ECU that tripped the. Yeah, it's, like, o- it's only
0: at two bar boost, not not three bar or yeah. something like that. Yeah, like okay, that would be a lot. Th- that's but, believable, you know. but dude, you have. Joe
1: Schmo pumping up the tires. Yeah. Like, I I like to picture... It's not accurate, but I like to picture the, some dude with a bike pump just sitting there just pumping
0: away <laughs> on the tires. 45, right? We got 45! Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a little more sophisticated than that these of course, days. Of, but, course, yeah. of course it is, yeah. but, it,
1: like, <laughs> that's that's really what you're sitting at is that this is such a simple thing. Like, not to make light of a dark situation, but... It's such a simple thing. At any given moment, anybody can check the tire pressure. Yeah. Tire pressure is not this uniquely
0: difficult thing to figure out, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not. Well, like I said, on the dash even, the, di- the drivers are going to know what the pressure is. That's why I used
1: the ECU as an example. Yeah. Is because you might have, what, two, three technicians on any given team that knows what the hell's going on in the ECU. Mm-hmm. There isn't a single technician on the team that can't go, yeah, it's 45.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's. It's a weird situation, and that's why I wanted—I wanted to at least mention it because it is interesting. Um, and so we'll—we'll we'll see where that goes. But I, I do think they could have been more severe, like you said, and really dropped the hammer on them. But I also agree that nobody sh- else should get the win. But it does bother me that they still retain sort of the glory of the win because they even got to keep their watches, which I was like, man. Is that? Is that, <sighs> that bugs me. Little, little insider information. Is that?
1: Is that because you're a watch fan? No, it just bothers okay.
0: me that like, that's, that's a symbol of like winning the race, you know. And it's like you didn't win. That yeah. that's the thing that you definitely I, I, take I, away. I get
1: what you're saying, but I also sit back and go, look, they're the ones that got to slap that, witch, uh, that watch on every and, and every week not and go think
0: about that. Yeah, we
1: cheated to win this. Like you know, yeah. it's like
0: that would suck. I couldn't do I, it. And I, I would bad, never wear it. Yeah, and I feel bad for the team members that I feel weren't bad involved for the drivers yeah, because the drivers I would imagine too. the drivers aren't involved. Yeah. Or at least involved to the point where they can make it even a decision on it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure that's debatable. But uh so let's move on one more thing uh to cover in terms of uh, stuff that's happened. And uh, I guess each week will be different in terms of what's actually going on in motorsports um so this week obviously there's a lot to talk about it's not a race every week is there exactly yeah <laughs> so we'll just be bantering sometimes but uh we also had the saint pete grand prix which uh, i went on uh just the qualifying day i didn't actually go for the race okay um in person I ha- yeah i have to say it was really refreshing to see IndyCars cars and i feel like i owe indycar an apology because i always rag on them because it's a spec series and i hate the Dilaras. but. It is kind of nice, especially when you watch so much Formula One, and then you go back and watch any car. You go, "Wow, these guys actually go for moves all the time." There's legitimately anyone on that grid can win a race every yeah. single weekend. Yeah, and there's something to that for sure. I definitely don't like the as though. Like those things are like. Should be in a museum by now. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> there are cars in museums that is, is, are younger. Is that is that not credit to them
1: in some extent? I, is, some I extent, suppose. Though, like I it, suppose. Yeah. But they they built such a long lasting good, good well working chassis that yeah. you can sit back now and what? Well, I mean that chassis must have been built. 10 I, I years don't know. Ago? I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna look it up, and I bet you. I'm gonna guess now. It is. At least 10 years. I want to say almost 15. It's been a while. Yeah. Because the last time I remember IndyCars being they, interesting. They put an aeroscreen screen on it. I do like the aeroscreen, screen, I have to say. Yeah. It's, it's better it's than the Halo. so much better. You know, the, the Indy cars don't have this, they, they don't complain Just, about visibility or anything. So, well, at least because, that I know of. Because Sebastian Vettel wasn't doing the testing. Exactly. That really bugs me. Vettel <laughs> tests it out for a couple laps and goes, yeah, I don't like it. It's, and then it Formula me, One's like, okay, dizzying. that's that. Yeah, that's the it, decision. It
1: makes me dizzy. Like, <laughs> like what? Formula One never wanted to go to any sort of head protection to begin
0: with. Yeah. So anyway, that's a side yeah. side topic. But that we'll so we had St. Saint Saint, yeah, St. Pete Grand Prix. Uh, Marcus Erickson won the race. Yep. And uh, uh, so spoiler. He, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> Just so you know, so you're aware. It sucks. I felt bad for Ward though because he was leading. And he actually had a plenum event, which I didn't even know was a thing. So essentially, I, he was coming out of the corner. First off, I love the phrasing plenum event. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> that sounds like something dramatic. Like yeah. you,
1: you were in the hospital because you had a plenum event. Yeah,
0: and, and I've never heard of this before. But apparently, on the IndyCars, cars, uh, with the uh, just the configuration of the engine, I guess uh, they can have a situation where essentially the fuel in the plenum ignites. I guess. And so for a split seven, you essentially have this, I don't know if you call it a misfire, but obviously the engine is not working the way it's supposed to because you just burned all your fuel in the plenum. It's essentially
1: a p- premature fire, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And, you know, no fuel got to the, p- I don't know. It's weird. I've never heard of this before. And because he was coming out of the corner, essentially like loses power for a little bit and then he's back and you know, he's all frustrated and they're like, oh, you just had a plenum event. I was like, what? <laughs> and it cost him the race, unfortunately. And that's how Erickson got by. And so that's how the, the finishing order came out. But I've never heard of that before. I just love the phrasing. Yeah, plenty of event It's bizarre. I, li- I like event. I think that's the key word in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but St. Pete, I think it's actually a pretty interesting track. Unfortunately, all it does is breed red flags and cautions. When I was there, it was literally like I was taking photos, and I was like, all right, cool. We've got two laps of running if and it, a yellow flag. I'm 100% convinced, and I've said it
1: for years, that if that track was half a car wider, yeah. it would be a better track. Yeah. Like significantly better track. Mm-hmm. It just needs about a half a car. Yeah. You don't need to go full car because then you, you reduce the, the risk, right? You half know, a car wider everywhere. Yeah. Straight I think, doesn't matter. Like that back straight down the whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah,
0: or well, not the airport. The we're talking about the marina, marina. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. The island, if you will. Yeah, (laughs) but peninsula. I I think a big part of it too is where the tires are positioned, and they have to put them there for the walls and everything. But they create such obstacles that if a car even touches it, like they're it's over they they've caused a blockage well, you, you
1: can't yeah you can't bump off of a, a tire wall the way you can off of a, a like a concrete barrier yeah like you can you can kind of rub up a concrete barrier a and get away bit. with it yeah a not, little yeah bit. i mean i'm not talking about like nose in and you're gonna bounce
0: off and then roll with no, it like, we're no, not no. we're not video games here no but, not not know, like that do you saw that nascar move right no you didn't see it i don't know i don't remember who about. it was but a dude you remember when you played need for speed as a kid and you needed to win on the last lap. yeah. And you just sent it <laughs> along the outside wall. Somebody did this Somebody in NASCAR? Somebody did that in NASCAR. And he just floored it and just ran the wall the entire last After the finish line? Up to the finish line. Oh, up to. Oh! Yeah, it was his last move. Oh,
1: okay. I thought you were saying he, like, gunned it and then crossed the finish line and no, then the no, no, wall.
0: No, no, no. He used this to get extra speed through the corner. How
1: was friction not a problem?
0: I don't. I, it was amazing. It was. It was like everybody's intrusive racing thought. This guy actually did it. He committed. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, I think if you had uh, barriers like that on a street circuit, it would probably help. But mm-hmm. anyway, the point is that on the street circuits, it obviously breeds yellow flags like crazy. Yeah. We had a big accident in the first lap. This is not an IndyCar issue, by the way. This is a street yeah, circuit street issue. street circuit we, issue. We've seen
1: this with every series of racing that's ever existed.
0: Yes. So, obviously, it was plagued with that. I think the most interesting part of the race for me was the uh, Grosjean incident. I said, well, it, incidents, because it happened twice. Yeah. The almost exact same move twice. Yeah. Like, exact same thing happened. Yeah. I forget it was Power, right? That came out of the pits, or was it? Uh... So the f- first incident
1: was it Willpower?
0: I don't know. Now I'm all I'm all jacked up. I can't remember who it was. I I know Scotty McLaughlin. No, it's McLaughlin. Was invo- well, he was. Well, oh, that was the second, second one. Incident. Yeah. I don't know who was involved with the first one.
1: I will say Willpower might be the greatest racing name.
0: <laughs> what about Scott Speed?
1: I I still feel like will Willpower. Power. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Like, come on, man. That's, does it get better? Like, (laughs) no, (laughs) (laughs) but sorry. Come on. So anyway, now that I've distracted you enough, essentially
0: Grosjean, the same, both times the incident goes like this. Grosjean is, he's past the first turn. The other driver's coming out of the pits and the other driver gets ahead. And before you continue, I'm sorry,
1: the, the pit exit at St. Pete and the first turn merge into
0: each other. Yes, there is no advantage to one location or another. And it shoots you straight into the tight it, street section, which has a little bit of an S turn. It is a true,
1: genuine fork that they both, when one can enter the track and the other is on the track, they they are at exactly the same. They're they're pointed towards towards the same apex essentially. Yes. Yeah.
0: And it, so it's a weird weird exit. Yeah. And so both times. The driver coming out of the pits gets ahead, but not by much, and remember, they're on cold tires, they just come out of the pits, mm-hmm. and they defend on the inside, down the straightaway and into the right-hander, and both times, Grosjean goes to the outside and tries to get around there, and I personally, I find it, in I should say the first time, he narrowly escapes the tire barrier, and then the second time, they both end up in the tire barrier mm-hmm. on the outside and via contact yes and i find it bizarre that he goes to the outside both times considering this person just came out of the pits they're on cold tires battling for the lead you know they're gonna send it in the braking zone because it's a street circuit and track position is key and so it's like man going around the outside that is a risky move in that situation maybe this is a pessimistic view but do you
1: think it has anything to do with the fact that he was always in a back grid car in f1
0: do you think he's like overly aggressive now is what you're saying because he has the opportunity well, to be my my thinking is does somebody
1: that's been in one of the top six to ten cars consistently like mm-hmm. he was in one in in lotus for about what a year or two Lotus had a really good car at the very end of the, the V8 era? Or was it the yeah, V10 it v- era? No, it was
0: V8s, yeah. Okay. When Kimi won their Yas Marina race. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they they had a really good car for a short period of time, but that was the best car he was ever in. Mm-hmm. For, the, for the rest of his career in Formula One leading up to IndyCar, he was in a back-grid car. Somebody that was always slower, had to race as... Look, I got faster cars going around me all the time. My... Curiosity is. How much does that change your decision making going forward? Right. So he's in a car now that's clearly race winner. Right. Like he's in competition. He's in fifth at the at at
0: the time he makes this mistake that you're talking about. And and he qualified on pole, so he's in contention to win the race. No,
1: he's in a good car. Right. If he was in a good car his whole career. Does he dive inside or does he wait? Is he patient for another opportunity? Is is it because he spent his whole damn career sitting back going, I got nothing, man. Like, I got to make a move when I can make a move. Not to, not to credit him for the move that he made because it was wrong. Mm-hmm. I think we both agree in that. Mm-hmm. But is that at least what you could attribute it to?
0: I don't know. I'm not sure. I I see it as more of a move of like, I think when you're in contention anytime to win a race, mm-hmm. I think you get in that mode of just win or crash, basically. But you have to tame that down to some extent. You know, like we were just praising Alonso for the way he was racing in Bahrain. And, you know, he's leaving plenty of space. He wasn't putting himself in unnecessary risk. Granted, he wasn't racing for the win. Well, that was that was exactly what I was going to say next. Yeah. To play devil's advocate, was he ever a threat to win there? race? Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So now Grosjean's like, I, it, you know, they're racing drivers. They want to win. That's it. That's yeah. the only goal. But the strange part is like, I don't know if in that situation, you know, you just get the blood pumping, maybe the street circuit stuff flying by. It's just, you're just in it. And... I don't know. I think he got too excited or just too into the moment and just sent it anyway and was like, well, it worked out the first time. Okay. But I don't know. It just seems like such a risky move. Well,
1: and, and that's the thing is like, for those of you that don't, don't know what we're talking about, do go back and watch this. There's, there's a good little NBC clip. It's like 15 minutes long on YouTube. Just look up NBC St. Pete Grand Prix. Yeah. And it, it'll pop up. You'll see it eventually on, on the feed. And The biggest thing that we came came out of this this whole situation with is that we were sitting back going, you can't be on the outside there. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like maybe Scotty McLaughlin could have turned more. Maybe he overdrove that corner and he would have hit the wall anyway, right? But you're Grosjean. You're in a position to win this race. You cannot put yourself in a position where somebody on cold tires can crash you out of the race, yeah, right? It was like, an unnecessary Regardless race. of whether or not he made the mistake,
0: you can't put yourself in the position for somebody else to make the mistake for you. Yeah, exactly, and that's what he did. So that was really surprising, and then, you know, I think we saw that a couple times throughout the race where drivers were on the outside and got bumped into the wall. You, you see
1: it more often in IndyCar than you do in any other
0: series, I feel like, and I yeah. think that's
1: partially because the cars are so equal. It, in a good way. Mm-hmm. like there's Like, there's, there's such a good battle, like, at any given moment, you could theoretically win the race. So, if you're sitting back going, look, if I take this pass, that might set me up now, and I can make three or four more passes in the next five laps. Whereas, if I don't take this risk, then I have no chance of making those three or four passes. Yeah, you don't have the I'm, time. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I think the fact that anyone can win a race makes you more aggressive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think for sure, but it still doesn't explain why you're in that position to begin with. And I think I, I think if Grosjean looks back at the tape, and you ask him, he's going to say the same thing. He's like, "Yeah, I shouldn't have been there. I should I should not have put myself on the outside of that corner. I should have backed out, let him have the inside. Maybe I take an over under, or I take it to the next corner. Mm-hmm. And like obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah, you know, it, it's just one of those situations where you have to sit back and you go, D- dude, that's just. That, like not to bag on on Grosjean but that's non-winner's experience that's somebody that hasn't won a whole bunch of races that hasn't been in that situation to go yeah shouldn't be here yeah for sure and but I will say again super easy to say as a spectator oh, that's yeah. never been
0: involved in any car never won a race like yeah you know? well, that's, that's what we do here that's that's literally what we're doing right yeah. now but uh <laughs> and uh I don't know I like I said I think I owe Indy an apology, though, because it was cool to see that kind of racing still. And, you know, if that was Formula One, it would be like, oh, man, we got to launch an investigation. And it's like, bam, penalty, 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 penalty. Yeah. You know, and that's all people will talk about is the penalty, the penalty. Whereas here, it was just like, hey, we're racing. You know, this stuff happens. Granted, it's a street circuit, maybe there's a little bit more carnage than there really needed to be. Um, but I don't know. I appreciate that. You know, and just being able to watch racing, you know, and just let them race. 100%, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think the biggest thing with it is, like, at at the end of the day, it's like it was a racing incident, an issue occurred, move forward, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of stemming off of where one of the drivers, one of the two drivers involved in that incident come from is V8 Supercars, right? If any of you that have watched V8 Supercars as a series regularly, those drivers crash a lot, Yep. they bang into to each other a lot. They there is incidents all over the place. This is a closed wheel. I mean it's it's NASCAR with aero essentially. Yeah. In, in its most basic form. It's not really doing the series justice, but it, for those that have never watched it, that's a great descriptor for it. The, what we just saw and the and the results that came from it is straight up V8 supercar. It's like, yeah, crap happened. Move on. Yep, hundred percent. And it, it's it's not the I don't know if it's maybe the difference in culture to what the Europeans run, or if it's just Formula One or what, but I mean I even watching some of the endurance racing that we were talking about before is you all of a sudden you're like, Oh, that guy got a penalty. Maybe you just let them race and if he bangs into each other or they bang into each other again, then like it's it's kind of the I'm a huge hockey fan. It's the old adage of hockey, right? Like the idea of of an individual beating another individual with a stick is far more dangerous than an individual beating another individual with his fists. Yeah. Go ahead and let them fight because they've got weapons in their hands. <laughs> you might as well let them drop the let them drop the weapons, fist fight. <laughs> like it. Let's reduce what could happen. So yeah. the idea is like, I may I I'm kind of on the I, I'm more along the ideas of go ahead let them race let them bang into it's easier said than done with the open wheel I get that yeah. like that's yeah. I totally understand the argument. Look, IndyCar is open wheel racing; you can't let them slam into each other. But it's racing; it happens. It's gonna happen, yeah. and I think the way that IndyCar at the at, at the end of the day, I think the way that IndyCar handled this this event is something that Formula One should look at
0: and go, "We need to do more of that." Yeah, and not make such a big deal out of things. Yeah, and and this is just us looking at it from the fan perspective as well. You know. I'm sure behind the scenes the teams are pissed when they destroy a car. Of course. You know, but like overall, I don't think it's the same drama that you get from Formula 1 when it's like there's a little bit of contact, somebody goes wide, and then on the radios. And and it's also Formula 1's to blame a little bit for this cuz then the the radio messages that they play are like, "Oh, so and so did this. He deserves a penalty." Well, how many how many radio messages don't ever get played? Yeah, exactly. They they choose those messages and they choose them deliberately for the drama. And then I mean just look at Drive to Survive, which has turned F1 into a, a soapbox, basically. I specifically in my opinion. do not watch this I, I refuse to watch. It. I watched one episode and I was like, this is insane. And I wanna tell this is uh I know a lot of people love the series, and they love watching it, but I'm gonna tell you right now, as someone who takes photos and who has made videos and understands the power of, of editing of editing and the influence that you can have just by altering something and putting it in a certain order. I'm going to tell you right now that stuff is edited, obviously to make it as dramatic as possible. And, uh, I don't think it's necessarily good for the sport, but also I just want to say like, that doesn't like, don't watch that stuff and think like, that's exactly how it is. Like, obviously there's stuff that goes on, but when you add a layer of music and certain deliberate shots from certain angles, it, amplifies everything oh, 100%. right 100 percent. so you wouldn't believe how much a soundtrack can change an event completely completely changes even the colors the colors make a huge difference yes so just be wary of that enjoy it if you're into it but uh i yeah i do the same thing i don't really watch it because uh, uh, it, it's just over edited in my opinion but i think personally uh that's a good place to end we're at about an hour and a half now uh, we've covered everything I wanted to talk about. The only thing I want to say from here on is that obviously this is the first episode of the podcast. Uh, from here, we're going to shoot for a weekly podcast released every Wednesday. Uh, if there's a technical, technical difficulty or anything like that, obviously it might change, but that's going to be the goal. And uh, We're just going to talk and banter, and it's just going to be a good time. Don't look at this as like the best place to get news and information it's more just a couple of friends talking about motorsports in a way that i think most motorsport fans would do and so you can kind of just listen in which i think would be fun and it's a it's a cool thing to do and to get build a community around it the way the way i
1: see it is i'm gonna sit back turn on the podcast listen to it enjoy it have a beverage in my hand and not pretend that it's anything more serious than it needs to be like ultimately it's a fun enjoyable experience that you would have with any of your buddies that you wish were near near you enough to be able to have this conversation that's that's really the kind of thing that i see it like every every one of us has sat back and gone i don't have enough car friends (laughs) yeah. <laughs> right. So,
0: that's especially like, racing motor, friends. Yeah, motorsport yeah. friends. And cars have yeah. really blown up in popularity, almost too much. Cars have. Yes. Yeah. Motorsport has not. Yeah. Followed. Motorsport's still the same. Yeah. But, uh, and just to real quick, the purpose of the website. So the website is motorsportsandfocus.com, and I created this website because I saw a need for a place for photographers to be able to post content in a way that is creative. And not necessarily for like a a corporate company or and specifically motorsport photographers a corporate company or like a team that generally need more uh, quote-unquote normal photos obviously there's some really great photographers doing really great stuff for great teams but in general I want to focus more on storytelling what it's like to be at the event not just following one team but just the event in general the feeling at the event just way there's way more to motorsports than just what you see on tv and social media so that's my goal on the website and then this is just an extension of that it's just a couple of friends talking about motorsport and just having a good time not taking it too seriously talking about stories events our opinions and not uh getting caught up and just reporting what's going on so so that's the goal hopefully other people also feel the same way and uh and we'll see where it goes. This is just the first episode, so hopefully it's one of many more. Awesome, sweet. All right, thank you. Uh, if you want to check out the website, it is motorsportsandfocus.com. It's motorsports and focus uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you, and we'll see you in the next one.